Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. This will be part 59 and the ones that we've numbered for the church on Law and Gospel. So if you want to pull up the theses, theses and have those ready to go. I'm going to have a standing here for a second to make sure this is working correctly. It appears so. All right, this morning before we uh, read the thesis and before we kind of start considering it, let's do this. Let's look up the word contrition. The word contrition, yes, just on any device you have. The word contrition. Because this thesis is all about contrition. All right, yes, sincere, penitent, or uh, this one says the state of being remorseful and penitent. The state of feeling remorseful and penitent. Now, you, we may not understand exactly immediately where this fits in when we're dealing with law and gospel, but this thesis that we're getting ready to look at really emphasizes this idea of contrition, contrition, contrition. This idea of being remorseful, this idea of being penitent. Because it comes down to a, a question that sometimes shows up in the world of Christianity. Probably, I don't know if we always state it explicitly, but it's clearly implied over and over and over. And it really goes something like this. Are we sure that their repentance is sincere? Or are we sure that they're really sorry for their sin? Right? And we always call into question. Well, I know that they're upset. And sometimes Christians, and we'll even see Christians do this when someone falls into sin in a public way. Typically, someone somewhere will say, they're not really sorry. They're just sorry they got caught. Christians will say that frequently, right? So we call into question the validity of someone's contrition. Now, I think we should be able to immediately realize there's a major flaw in this, right? Because when you're trying to judge how contrite, how sorry, how upset someone really is for their supposed sin, there's, there's a lot of things that make it difficult in how to read that, right? First, I think we can all agree that everyone has different personalities. Some people's personalities show, for, show forth emotion, where some people's personality doesn't show forth emotion. And how do we typically judge the sincerity of one's contrition? By the amount of emotion one 
shows. However, sometimes that doesn't even work because some people say, ah, I think that contr- they're, they're, they're faking it, right? Some people will call it in. So, I mean, in some cases you can't win. But the first issue with trying to judge the validity or sincerity of one's contrition is the fact that everyone is different and different personalities manifest it in different ways. And I think that's just, that's just fair. And I th- we, we have to acknowledge that. I think a second issue is not only is everyone different in the way they show their emotions, in other words, this is the difference. The first issue is the difference in how people demonstrate emotions. I think the second thing is people are different in how they show contrition in this way. Like if you, you can have a husband and wife or even in a family, and when someone gets in trouble or feels bad, they will, their actions will be completely different than another member of the family. Some will be like, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Others don't ever really want to say sorry, don't even really want to talk about it. But they may, you can see in their actions that they're trying to do something. They don't ever want, really want to say, I'm sorry, but they'll just maybe start being extra nice. Or, so there's a difference in how someone shows emotion, and then there's a difference in how someone may show contrition. I, th- I want to try to separate the two. One is just an emotional difference, right? Some may cry, some may not cry, some may be open. Even when it comes down to just, I feel bad for what I did, some people will be like, man, I'm so sorry. They'll be saying, I'm sorry for a month. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And others will, will probably may never even really mention it. They'll just, they'll just want to immediately move on but by the way they start acting around you, you can tell that there's their, their way of saying, I'm sorry. But that, that's even within your family. You can read that. You can't read that from someone you don't know. So when we get to, when we bring in contrition to the whole issue, it can become really problematic. And so I'm interested to see how this thesis decides to work through this. So let's read the thesis. Does anybody remember what number we're on? Number 12, number 12, and it says this, the word of God is not rightly divided. When the preacher represents contrition alongside of faith as the cause of the forgiveness of sins. The word of God is not rightly divided when the preacher represents contrition alongside of faith as the cause of forgiveness of sins. What, uh, based off that thesis, what does this one seems to be warning against doing? What do you think? What does this one seems to, seems to be warning against? All right, well, let's, let's read it one more time and see if we can make sure we know exactly what they're saying. The word of God is not rightly divided when the preacher represents contrition alongside of faith as the cause of the forgiveness of sins. We have the forgiveness of sins, right? We all know that that's what we, as, as, as when we preach the gospel, we want people to, to obtain the forgiveness of their sins, right? Okay. And this is saying that the word of God is not rightly divided when basically you say that forgiveness of sins is obtained by what two things? Contrition and faith. In other words, this would say, hey, you're not really forgiven unless you are really sorry. You feel really bad. There's some, there's a, some may even argue genuine repentance. Because a lot of people would connect contrition with what? 
Repentance, right? Wouldn't most people connect re- contrition with repentance, right? And, and, and even with repentance, isn't there always a debate on, well, they're not really sorry for their sins. They're not really, because some Christians will say, if they're really sorry for their sins, what's going to be the next thing they're going to say? If they're really sorry for their sins, what, what do Christians say? This is like a common phrase. If they're really sorry for their sins, They'll stop doing it. Yeah, they won't do it anymore. Well, we just know that that's not true, is it? It's just not true. It's just not, as much as we want it to be true, because what's, what do we know? Even after you're, after you're supposedly sorry for your sins, after you're supposedly repented, after you've supposedly believed, what are you still going to do? Sin. In some way, shape, or form. Now, maybe a specific sin, you may move on. But even if you move past one sin, you're still committing ten others. And in many cases, you may change the outward appearance or the outward act of said sin. It doesn't mean you've changed the heart towards it. Right? So, I mean, like, there, like there, there's, there's so many issues with this. It'll, it'll be interested to see, we'll be interested to see how they uh, approach this. Now, I know we don't have a lot of time this morning, but let's see. This is not, oh, this is a pretty long one, so we'll, we'll just see how far we can get. All right, everybody ready? Here we go. Now, this, look, listen to what they say. There is no question, but that contrition is necessary if a person wishes to obtain forgiveness of his sins. Oh boy. Now it sounds like from the thesis, it almost sounds like it's not necessary, and they immediately turn around and say, it is necessary. So that's a little kind of confusing to me, yes? Now, what we have to ask ourselves, do we believe contrition is necessary for one to, to obtain forgiveness of sins? That's a hard question to answer, Right? And it's hard because how do you judge the sincerity of one's contrition? How do you judge that contrition? Like that, that's, we, def, we definitely can't. But it, become, but it becomes problematic because we would have to, and since, do you see where this would lead? If I read this statement again, right, well, this is just about being sorry for it. But yes, I mean, but... Uh, this says, there is no question but that contrition is necessary if a person wishes to obtain forgiveness of sins. Now, let's, I, I 100% agree that we cannot ever judge someone else's contrition. Everyone has to acknowledge that. There's no way we can do that. But this problem becomes, well, we would have to judge our contrition, right? Because the only way I would know if I've received the forgiveness of sins is if I have shown enough contrition. Well, the problem with that would be, then what would, what would I be looking to for assurance of my salvation? I would be looking to the quality of my contrition to determine the, the, the truthfulness of my salvation. That, to me, once again, is problematic. I don't know exactly. They're going to have to explain to me what they mean by this, Right? Because I am a little bit hesitant. I, I Look, in theory, I agree. In theory, I agree that we should be broken and upset and we should feel horrible about our sin. And I, and I agree that there should be some of that there. The only problem is the minute I make it a statement like that, 
Let me read it to you again. There is no question but that contrition is necessary if a person wishes to obtain forgiveness of his sins. That immediately makes me very, very concerned. Right? That makes me very concerned because I don't know how to ever judge the, the, the truthfulness of that. I don't know how, I, I mean, I don't know. Let, let's see what they do and see if we, if we come back and want to change this or if we want to agree with this. It says, at his first public exercise of the preaching function, our, our Lord cried, repent and believe the gospel. He names repentance first. Whatever this term, whenever this term is placed in opposition to faith, now listen, this is very important, it signifies nothing else than contrition. It signifies nothing else than contrition. Now, why? What, what, do, you, what do you think? This is very important because what, in a roundabout way, what did they just do? They're not referring. Well, I mean, that they're rep- representing all the verses where Jesus first starts preaching and he st- starts with repent, right? That's how Jesus, in Matthew, Mark, all of the passages where Jesus starts preaching, right? Okay. So he puts repentance before faith, right? Okay. Now they're saying that that represents, they're, they're defining repentance this way. Let me read it again. Whenever this term is placed in opposition to faith, it signifies nothing more than contrition. When Christ gathered the apostles about him for the last time, he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name. That's Luke 24, 46 through 47. Why is repentance required as well as faith? Our Lord gives the reason in these words. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew 9, 12 through 13. With these words, the Lord testifies that the reason why contrition is absolutely necessary is that without it, no one is fit to be made a believer. Now, what? Well, they're, they're not going that direction. They're defining repentance as what? As contrition. They are defining repentance as contrition. Now it's weird because the, the, the thesis seems to go seems to be stating something different, right? That if you put the two together, but they're kind of putting the two together. So I'm going to see how they play this out before we're done. But right now we're left with really two we're left with really two major questions here. Here's the two questions we have right now. Okay, first is contrition necessary for salvation? That's the first question that's being presented to us. And second, is repentance simply contrition? Or is contrition even involved in repentance? Now, we worked hard to work on a definition of repentance, did we not? We spent a long time in this series to do that. Have we we not worked on that for a long time? And what did we come up with? How did we think? Remember, there's... 
there's really two different ways of, of defining repentance. Right? The typical way in most evangelical churches that repentance is what? Uh, basically, they, they say a change of mind, but they, they focus on what part? The change of action. The change of actions, the change of action. Now, everyone sees why that's problematic. Jesus preaches, repent and believe. So that would mean it would require me to change my action before I believe. So how do evangelicals get around that? Well, you don't have to change your action. You have to change your mind so that you are willing to change your action. And then you believe. And then how do you know if, you're, if your belief and your repentance was genuine? Based on the amount of change that occurs after, but no one can give us the exact amount of change that de demonstrates whether something is true or not true. So it's majorly problematic. The second way of defining repentance was what? Just a change of mind. Just a change of mind. And that one is much easier to deal with, right? Because everyone can know if they change their mind. What are you changing your mind about for salvation? Well, you, about sin, about God, about salvation, about Jesus, about, about the Bible. I mean, you're changing your mind about all of these things. That's easy. Everyone can measure that. That's... That's, you can quantify that, you can qualify that, you can define that. This is how I used to think, then I changed my mind. And now I believe that the Bible is the word of God. I believe that there is a God. I believe God is holy. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. That can be, you can ask someone those questions, right? That's easy to measure and qualify. Right, that's a change of mind, right? I've I, I changed my mind in acknowledging this is a sin. I didn't used to think it was a sin. Now I know it's a sin, all right? Now, they've come along and kind of added a third definition, right? They, they're defining repentance as contrition, that it's nothing more than contrition. Well, now, once again, we're back to, a different, we're back to the problem, right? What's the problem with this? How do you qualify and quantify? How do, you, how do you know that your contrition is genuine enough, right? How much contrition must be there? So, and, so we've got two issues. So let's go through these again. The first issue is, is contrition necessary for salvation? And should we define repentance as contrition? This leads to two major issues that we may end up in conflict with here. All right? Let's see what they have to say here. It says, with these words, I, I, came to call the, uh, not, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. With these words, the Lord testifies that the reason why contrition is absolutely necessary is that without it, no one is fit to be made a believer. I say, I have a hard time with that. I, I, I'm just, I have a hard time with that. As far back as Solomon, we find this proverb. He who is sated loathes honey. Look at Proverbs 27.7. Proverbs 27.7. I'm going to be interested to see how this uh, reads in the NIV. Proverbs 27.7. I don't know about this. Okay, he who is full loathes honey. Okay, now I think what they're going to try to say here is 
until you show contrition, right? Until you show contrition, then you're really full. And so you're going to loathe the gospel. Contrition is showing that you're hungry, therefore you won't lo- loathe it. That's the way. But that, that's, a, that's a big stretch to try to take that verse and, and apply it like that. It says, where there is no spiritual hunger and thirst, the Lord Jesus is not received. As long as a person has not been reduced to the state of a poor, lost, and condemned sinner, he has no serious interest in the Savior, uh, savior of sinners. Now, there's a little bit of this I would acknowledge is somewhat true, right? That's the changing of the mind. Now, where, there we can agree with, right? I've changed my mind about what? Hey, I didn't think I needed Jesus. Now I realize I'm a sinner and I need him. Now, so as long as we put it in a change of mind, we're okay. But when you start dealing with hunger and feel like you, when you start describing it in emotional terms, that's where it gets subjective. Because not, I guarantee you, no two people experience salvation the exact same way. No two people. Right? I mean, take someone raised in a Christian home. I mean, I, I don't even know what that would be like, right? You've, you've been raised your whole life going to church. You've never known anything different. You Most likely, you've, you've had all these uh, rules and morality has been a part of your life, your whole life. And then, you know, you just kind of, you, next thing you know, you're a believer, right? I mean, I don't even know what that's like. I don't even know. It's, that's far different than someone not raised that way, living all kinds of horrible sins, and then all of a sudden realize I'm a sinner. Like, that experience is night and day. One may show far more contrition than the other. Probably hard to show contrition when the worst thing you've done is, yeah, I don't know, still a cookie? I don't know. I don't know what that, like, I, oh, I feel really bad for all the horrible, like, I don't see a lot of kids raised that way, broken that much over their sin. In fact, in some cases, they don't even, be, they have a hard time even determining when salvation occurred, right? There's no clear sometimes, they've not known anything but Jesus their whole life. It's easy when you can say, here's a clear, distinct moment in my life. So, the, the contrition, those feelings, like, like you can't say these are the feelings you're supposed to have because not everyone's going to have the same experience. And, and uh, I, I don't like the experiential nature of this. It says, however, now this is important. All right, so the, they want us to understand contrition is absolutely necessary. But listen to what they do here. Are you ready? However, comma, Contrition is not a cause of the forgiveness of sins. All right, now, this is where, oh, okay. This, this is where it gets complicated, right? I understand what they're trying to do, but to me it's a distinction that doesn't mean much. If you say that it's required, but then they say it's not the cause, do you see the difficulty I have here? It's like playing that little game. Are you saved? Like you go ask any evangelical. Are you saved because of works? No. no. But if you don't have works? Like, to me, this is like, they, they want to make sure they say contrition is not the cause of forgiveness of sins, but they seem to say that without it, we don't get it. They say this, contrition 
is not necessary. Now listen, contrition is not necessary on account of the forgiveness of sins, but on account of faith, which apprehends the forgiveness of sins. So do you note the little game they're playing here? Contrition is not, I'm going to read it exactly right. Because it's, it's, it's kind of, tr they're trying to be clever, but to me, this just creates all kinds of problems. Listen, contrition is not necessary on the account of the forgiveness of sins, but on the account of faith. What gives you the forgiveness of sins according to them? Faith. What, what should be the result of faith? Contrition. If you don't have contrition, then they're almost calling into question your faith. But contrition is not the reason you get the forgiveness of sins. So in, in one way, this, in fact, this is kind of playing the exact kind of game that people play with works. Are you saved by works? No. What, what, but you should have works because you have faith. And if you don't have works, then your faith is not genuine. It's that game, and it, it makes no sense to me. Because all you're to me is you're playing a little game of semantics and trying to change it. Look, if you tell me I have to have it, then I have to have it. And therefore, salvation is based on it. And, and I don't see, how, and, and, and not only that, isn't it weird because they've already acknowledged that what should precede faith? Repentance. How did they define repentance? Contrition, right? So therefore, they say we, contrition should precede faith. But then they back up and say, no, 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 because that would make contrition as giving me the forgiveness of sins. But they're like, no, 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 forgiveness, the contrition comes from faith, but it's supposed to precede faith. So it's just a big, weird circle that makes absolutely no sense to me. It absolutely no sense to me. So... Here, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make sure we clarify this, and then I'm going to look at what, how they try to justify this. All right? So let's make sure we have this down. In my perspective, right, rep repentance is required. Yes? But it is a change of mind. Change of mind, right? And we change our mind, and because we change our mind, we believe. Now, we, we would argue clearly that the change of mind and the faith is not something we do. It is a gift of God, right? So we don't even take credit for it. Now, is contrition a part of this? This is, this is where I will, I, I, I'm just going to say, can contrition be a part of it? Yes. Does it demand it? I don't think you can say that. I just don't think there's any way to say it. Even if I was to say that, it would be a meaningless statement, yes? Why would it be a meaningless statement? Because how do we measure it? Like, I'd look at like, man, that person, I don't think you've been sorry enough for your sins. Like, what do, what do they have to do? Right, exactly. And, and so, I, 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 I'm not, I don't like this concept at all. I don't like this concept at all in any way, shape, or form. I don't. And not only that, they seem to be contradicting themselves because they clearly have contrition coming before faith, but then that would seem to include that contrition is a part of the salvation process, but they don't want it to be a part of the uh, process. So they say we're saved by faith and that the contrition comes from faith, but that makes no sense since it's supposed to precede faith. 
the whole thing is really contradictory. Let's see what they want us to do here. All right. Here are the reasons, this is what they're going to give us. Here are the reasons why we say that the doctrine that contrition is a cause of the forgiveness of sins is a mingling of law and gospel. So, they're, they're, <laughs> this is so weird. Even though they're, they've kind of said it's necessary, right? But what they want to do is say faith is the reason we get the forgiveness of sins, and because we get the forgiveness of sins, that leads to the contrition, even though they've already said repentance is contrition, which put it forward, even though they're doing this weird, contradictory thing, here's what they want us to understand. They're going to give us how many reasons here? I think at least two, unless there's a, num a number, another of them. They're going to give us at least two, I think, two reasons why turning the, uh, why, to Two reasons why if we regard contrition as a cause of the forgiveness of sins is equivalent to turning the law into a message of grace and gospel into law. It is a perversion, or basically they want us to understand that, the, that we cannot mingle this and whenever we say contrition is the cause for the forgiveness of sins, we're mingling law and gospel. They're going to give us two reasons why this occurs. All right? I, I still have a major issue with what they're doing here, but let's go through this. All right, here's the first one. All right. First, they say contrition is an effect solely of the law. Contrition is an effect solely of the law. Now, this is so contradictory because they've already tried to say that, wait a minute, no, no, no. The contrition comes from the faith, right? Yes? Now they're trying to say contrition comes from the law. Well, the law, I, uh, the law leads to condemnation, not to faith. Like this, this is a mess. They, 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 they're in a mess here. All right, let's at least consider this, all right? Contrition is an effect solely of the law. To regard contrition as the cause of the forgiveness of sins is equivalent to turning the law into a message of grace and the gospel into law. A perversion which overthrows the entire Christian religion. Now I do believe it's, a, it's, it's problematic, but to me what is most confusing is their own, their own struggle with how to do this. Alright, so let's, let's at least establish this. Do we think contrition is so, solely comes from the law? Do we believe contrition only comes from law? Well, we, there's no... Now, remember, the question is, does it solely come from the law? Right, well, I mean, I, I'm just looking at... For, I mean, they're, they're, they're going in so many circles here that they've already contradicted themselves because on one hand, they can't have contrition before because they say 
Contrition is not what brings about the forgiveness of sins. It's the forgiveness of sins that brings about the contrition. However, here, they seem to be clearly putting it where? Before. Yeah, but they're putting it before faith, right? Remember, they've already, they've already went into a circle that's, that's confusing, yes? Because they said, hey, no, no, no. You can't, if we have contrition coming first, then contrition is what's bringing about the forgiveness of sins, and that can't be the case. Faith is what brings the forgiveness of sins. So what brings about the contrition is faith. But now they're like, no, 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 no. Contrition comes solely from what? The law. All right, so now they kind of backtrack. So I'm going to ignore everything they've said up to this point and just try to look at it like we're just looking at this point by itself, right? So let's ignore everything the book has said. I'm just asking you, is contrition... Solely the result of law. I think we, let me, let me ask this question. Can we all agree that law could lead to contrition? Yes. Why? Because all it's going to show us is our failure, 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 right? So we can all agree that law can lead to contrition. I'm having problems saying that it's solely come from the law. Because do you think, can you think of any way that the gospel would lead to contrition? Do you think the gospel could lead to contrition? Like, give me an example of how you think the gospel could lead to contrition. Would that be gospel or would that be law? If I see God and I see his holy standard, would that be law? Yeah. Well, I, th I think that's a, a part of the issue here is that I don't know if there's perfect boxes always for these things, right? But okay. So, so in what way would gospel bring about contrition? Is there, is there any uh, scripture about the goodness of God leading to repentance? Okay, can anybody find that passage? Is it Romans or is it Corinthians? I don't know. I'm asking. I, I'm asking you. We may want to find that verse and look at the context. Now, and I'm only reason I'm going to this verse is because they define repentance as contrition, so... I still have a problem with defining repentance that way, but okay. Oh, it's Romans, okay. What does Romans 2.4 say? I thought there was a passage in Corinthians. All right, okay, the goodness of God leads to repentance. Go ahead. Okay. 
Probably said Romans 2, 4. Yeah, yeah. And, and Romans 2, 4, said, read it again. Okay. Let me, let me get, that's from the New King James. Okay. All right. I'm not saying this is perfect, but I want at least, we know, I know it was there. Yeah, go ahead, so, sorry. So uh, when you, a mere man, pass judgment on, on them, and yet do the same things, do you think uh, you will escape God's judgment, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to what right, So God's kindness leads to repentance. Now, if it's God's kindness or God's goodness leading to repentance, that's not law, right? All right, so... I, I have a problem saying contrition is solely the result of law. I believe law can lead to contrition, but I believe the gospel can lead to contrition because the gospel shows God's goodness and God's favor to, vote to me a sinner, right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, like over and over and over. We love him because he first... Loved us. I think that there is a contrition, that there's, a, there's an action, that, that something happens to us and seeing God's goodness just as much as it leads to because of God's law. Now, I'm not saying we should not, I'm not saying, I, I still believe in a proper distinction between law and gospel, and I believe law can lead to contrition, but I believe gospel can lead to contrition as well. Because the goodness of God, I mean, I mean because we constantly sin, Yes? But God constantly forgives, yes? Shouldn't that goodness lead to further con uh, contrition? I think it should. Over and over and over. I think his mercy should lead to contrition as well. So I'm not, I don't believe that this is an accurate representation. I believe contrition is brought about by both, not just law. I believe law is a part of it, right? But it, I don't believe it's... it's Oh, the only thing I think is, is because they say it's solely the, the effect of the law, and I just disagree with that. All right? So I, they're, they're trying to show us that contrition is the, that if we say contrition is the cause of the forgiveness of sins, it's a mingling of law and gospel. Uh, yeah, okay. But they've already, to me, so confused this. But all right, let's go to the second thing. So contrition is an effect solely of the law. I disagree with this, right? Number two, contrition is not even a good work. For the contrition which precedes faith is nothing but suffering on the part of man. It consists of anguish, pain, torment, a feeling of being crushed, all of which God has wrought in man with the hammer of the law. Now, let's, this is interesting. Let's see how they define contrition here. Well, I guess. I don't know. But, well, I mean, this one, because now they've got it preceding faith. But earlier they seemed to make it very clear that no, 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 it can't precede faith because it can't lead to the forgiveness of sins. Faith leads to the forgiveness of sins, which brings about the contrition. But now they've kind of gone back and put it before faith. It's really... Contrition, right. So it's like, it's so weird how they keep going back and forth. But listen to how they define contrition here. For the contrition which precedes faith, now they have something coming before faith, 
They say it's not even a good work. Okay, I got no problem with that. But they say here, it is, they define it as suffering on the part of man. Here's what it consists of. Anguish, pain, torment, a feeling of being crushed. All right. Now, if we define contrition that way, anguish, pain, torment, a feeling of being crushed. If we define contrition that way, right? Then, well, I'll go back to my previous question. Does that come from the gospel? Because there was, a, there, I think we all felt that, that the gospel could lead to some kind of contrition. But now they define contrition in a very negative, 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 negative way. We weren't, I don't think, were we feeling, I don't think we were in our minds were having the same kind of definition of contrition, were we? We were just kind of like, contrition is, I feel bad, right? I feel guilty, but I think God's goodness can make me feel that as well. They're taking it in a, like, they're using some very strong words, are they not? Yeah, right, and I can see why they would connect this to law. Do you think there's, this is a good question, do you think there's two different kinds of contrition? Do we think there's a contrition that's, that, there's a contrition from the law, and there's a contrition from the gospel? Okay, well maybe not different levels, but different, different, um, I hate to use it, it's a subjective term, but a, a, a contrition that comes from the gospel is a more hopeful contrition, right? It's almost a more like, I feel bad, but I know, but I know I'm forgiven, right? And where the contrition that comes from the law is helpless and hopeless, and I'm just, it just leads to despair and devastation. I mean, I mean they, make it pretty, they make it pretty negative, do they not? Do we think there's two different types of contrition? Now we're, we're out of time, but we're, we're, but I think it's something to consider, right? Because Paul seems to imply the goodness of God can lead to repentance, right? I, I think there, I think there's two kind. I think there's got to be two different kinds of contrition, don't you think? Yeah, I, well, I don't think they do. I, I think that's just the whole problem here when you, when you start saying, hey, contrition is required to be saved, right? Oh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so any way, shape, or form, right? Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, I, I don't think you can... I already have a major problem with their trying to say it's required, right? I think what's required is repentance, which is a change of mind, and faith. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to throw in contrition here. But they, 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 say, they say we should not say that's what brings about the forgiveness of sins, but at the same time, they've clearly said you have to have it in order to get it, which is just so weird. But yet it's not. Yeah, their circular reasoning is, is maddening. 
But I, I am rejecting completely the, to say that it has to be there. Because there's no, no one experience, and especially now that they just defined it that way, there, I guarantee you there's plenty of people, again, and I will go to people raised in a Christian home that, who experience salvation, many of them never would ever feel those things. Ever. Now, someone who's lived a life of blatant open sin, like they, they, there's a far greater chance that they would. But even that, the minute you say you have to have these feelings, then it becomes a never-ending, like, you have to constantly be asking yourself, did I feel this? 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 And if you didn't, then you're going to always call into question your salvation. Or you're going to have to manufacture the emotion to convince yourself, well, now I felt it. So you're going to have to go off in sin so that you can feel really bad. Then you can say, I've gotten saved. It's, some people, that's, that's almost the way some people preach salvation, is you have to have this emotional experience, but it doesn't work that way. So I don't know. <clears throat> the, the, whole, the whole thing is confusing to me, but we're going to run out of time, so we don't have time to work on it anymore. I, I mean, the way they define it there... Anguish, pain, torment, a feeling of being crushed. I, I, don't, I don't, man. There's, how many people, I wonder, truly have ever felt that? I don't know how many people have ever truly felt that. I mean, those are some strong emotions. Those are strong words. But I, I just, I, I don't believe contrition is the sole work of the law. I believe law can produce contrition, but I believe the gospel pr produces contrition. Because if, if, if on the night I was saved, right? If I, if I go back to my experience, it wasn't law. Because what I heard is that Christ had died for me. I already, I already knew I was a sinner. So it was the goodness of God that God would love me. Because I already knew how messed up I was. Already, I, I, just, I, 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 I don't even remember the sermon. All I remember is that Jesus died for me. That's basically all I caught on to. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why would he die? I already knew I was a sinner. So you could argue that the law had done its part. I already knew I was guilty. But what really broke me was the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that the law hadn't done its work, because the law had. But I'm just saying that it was, the law did not break me in the sense of, it, it's when I heard the gospel that I truly was broke. See, I, I think trying to, you, if you put these in two, I, we definitely need a distinction between law and gospel. But I think we have to be careful once it comes out and how it plays out in practicality in someone's salvation, I, I mean, uh, definitely people need law. I knew, I knew I was guilty. So that part had checked. But it wasn't, the contrition really came not from the law. It, to me, the, the contrition really came from the gospel. That's when I was broken. The law made me feel horrible and I knew I was no good. But the gospel is, is what get, convinced me that that, that brought about the true contrition. So I, I'm having, I'm having, I don't know how far, I don't know, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish here, but it seems very, very, very confusing. But we're going to have to stop confused because we, we can't answer it. We're at 11.05. All right, so we'll stop. Lord God, we come before you this morning.
Lord, I hope we'll give this some kind of serious thought, trying to understand the right kind of contrition and the proper contrition and how it fits in with uh, this very important concept of law and gospel. We ask that we just stay committed to figuring this out no matter how long it takes. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...